A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. When there are an infinite amount of female struggles, you decide to do a podcast about them. Hello, I'm Emma Jo, Real Davis, and in each episode of this podcast, I take a subject by the horns and rip it to shreds. This is the podcast that isn't afraid to talk about any struggle you've had as a woman from struggling with your body image. You do get some people commenting saying like, you look like a man and women shouldn't look like this. And actually, I love it when I've got a six pack. To wondering whether marriage is the right thing for you. To say that I'm committing myself to you for the rest of my life until my last breath, that just seems like a really stupid thing to say. To even having a cervical smear test. I need to yeah. take my trousers and my knickers off. Yeah. Ooh. Let me know if it hurts. And that's it, done. Oh my gosh, is that it? I'm in shock at how easy it was. This is The Female Struggle Is Real. Welcome to another episode of The Female Struggle Is Real. Now, whether you're a regular listener or you're new to the podcast, thank you so much for joining me to discuss a global struggle and its effects on women that I am desperately trying to get my head around. This is The Female Struggle With Climate Change. I'm not going to lie, I don't really know where to start, to be honest. Um, the issue is so overwhelming. I almost actually decided not to do a podcast episode on climate change because there is just so much to cover. But then I thought, well, no struggle lessons from not talking about it. So like every problem, it's best broken down into smaller chunks. Here's what's coming up in today's podcast. I go along to one of Extinction Rebellion's biggest protests on Waterloo Bridge. We've just been informed by police that if we don't 
move from the bridge according to section 14 we could be arrested um, we've refrained from leaving the bridge at the moment because approaching the bridge from the north side of the river is about 300 people a drumming band banners are just like lighting up the sky so at the moment I think we're going to stay here I speak to Indy, Mila and Eve year seven girls that I met on a bus while they were on their way back from a climate march about why they're so passionate about the issue every time you go on this climate march the more you still say the chance you actually think what am I saying because it's real you know it's not just something that's like you know just pretend it's actually a real thing and you're fighting for you know potentially someone's life and for the planet and it's more than just people it's animals and it's the planet so it's really important and I get the facts about the climate crisis and its effects on women from climate scientist at the University of Oxford, Dr. Michelle Kane. You know, although I would respect any woman's choice to do whatever they want with regards to having children, it's not as clear as we have to stop having children. I mean, I think that's a completely um, wrong-headed argument. Now, as I'm sure you're aware, global warming has become such a serious problem is being dubbed a climate emergency. You only have to switch on the news or watch a David Attenborough documentary to be startled into a realisation of how serious the issue is. But it's only been in the last few years that it's really come to our attention. Now, this is arguably partially down to global environmental group Extinction Rebellion, who hit the front pages when they staged protests such as naked activists disrupting debates in Parliament or the controversial incident of XR activists jumping on a tube train's roof to stop commuters from getting to work. I went along to one of the bigger protests that Extinction Rebellion held and visited Waterloo Bridge, one of four sites they occupied in central London. It's a boiling hot bank holiday weekend in April. Also, I think I should add a worryingly hot bank holiday weekend. I've come down to Waterloo Bridge in central London where campaign group Extinction Rebellion are holding a non-violent protest about climate change. There are chalk paintings all over the floor, plants and trees line both sides of the bridge and the smell of free vegan curries is currently washing over me. As you can probably hear in the background, there are about 300 people coming from the north side of the river with a drumming band, so I'm going to check out what's going on. atmosphere is much like a festival as you can hear there are ukuleles playing everyone is topless there are tents set up all over the bridge there are drumming bands with everyone in brightly colored outfits smoking joints still on Waterloo Bridge. Um, It's kind of late afternoon, about quarter to five, and um, we've just been informed by police that if we don't move from the bridge, according to section 14, we could be arrested. Um, We've refrained from leaving the bridge at the moment because 
approaching the bridge um, from the north side of the river is about 300 people, a drumming band. Um, banners are just like lighting up the sky so at the moment I think we're going to stay here see what happens obviously we don't intend on getting arrested but it's all part of it isn't it it's all part of the protest So what's your name? Uh, my name is Sophia. And um, why have you got involved with Extinction Rebellion? So I first uh, joined Ex Extinction Rebellion for the bridge protests in October um, when we blocked, we blocked the five bridges of London. Um, I have got involved because I am afraid of uh, the future. I'm afraid that the government and in fact every political uh, leadership in the world is not taking enough action on climate change and they have known the facts for 30 years um, and still not enough is being done. I have a three-year-old son and a 13-year-old son and I am afraid for their future. I'm afraid for mine because things are already changing very fast. We're seeing floods, uh, super storms across the world. We could, we could reach a tipping point in the next 10 years. How did you initially get involved with Extinction Rebellion? It was through social media that I initially became involved. Through, through posts on social media, but the big, the big step for me was the bridge protest, um, which was when I started to talk to people who felt similarly to me. So for me, it was about really important that a community comes together, starts to actually grieve together, starts to think of solutions, starts to um, put pressure on the people who aren't doing enough. And that first protest was enough for me to, you know, to, to light the fire in me that this is the right approach to dealing with this problem, given the amount of time that has been wasted already. So let's talk about um, Extinction Rebellion's sort of key aims. What are you actually hoping to achieve with this particular protest? So uh, with this particular protest, uh, we want the the government to start, firstly, start talking about climate change, start telling the truth. Uh, which means start talking about the science that we've been fed for so many years and actually tell the general public what's happening and what is likely to happen in places like London. What um, is likely to happen in places like well, London? We're going to see flooding. Um, we're going to see flooding particularly around parts of the UK that are low level, low level at the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello. You're thirsty. Yeah, Don't get that's fine. Don't worry. You've been here every day. Really? You've been here every day? What's been your favourite bits? <laughs> it's very hot. <laughs> it is very hot. It's worryingly yeah, hot. Yeah, worryingly hot. I know. I thought the same. Um, so, sorry, as you were saying, the flooding in London. This, I, I'd rather not talk about that because I, I don't want to get, I want to have the facts all right, but they're all out there. Can you tell us a little bit about what Extinction Rebellion actually is, where it all started? Um, so it began with a number of uh, academics and scientists who were, had been active for many years on climate change, um, one of whom has done a, a very thorough PhD on methods of protest, uh, looking at different movements throughout history that have been effective. I assume as well, having, like you mentioned, you have children, yeah. you must be so worried for their future. 
yeah, I'm terrified for my kids' future. I mean, it, the reality is so frightening. It's it's hard to be in it all the time. What, you know, to, in order just for my brain to function, I sometimes have to step out of the reality and just do the daily things that I'm expected to do as a mother. But when I'm in the reality, I'm, you know, I'm grieving, I'm crying, I'm looking at my children and wondering what kind of life they're going to have you know they're not going to be able to experience the same things i did uh they're not going to be able to see the same natural diversity that i have experienced as a child and um, one of the criticisms of the campaign is that yeah. there's not a diverse representation of people specifically people of color working class people and obviously they're the ones that are going to be affected the most how would you sort of go about changing this i think i think the methods of Extinction Rebellion, they've tried to be as inclusive as possible. I I don't think it is possible to, to gather everyone's attention and have everyone on side for this. I think everyone is at a different stage of the journey of realisation of uh, the reality that we're facing. I don't think it's necessary for... Um, we invite everyone here. There's no, there's no one being turned away. There's... Uh, but... I realise people who are working 12 hours a day are not, you know, feeling the pressure are not going to be able to join and um, a message to them is that we are doing this for everyone who can't be here. Well, Sophia, thank you so much. Best of luck with the protest. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for talking. Typically you can consider the industry to render me what? Well, consider a really replied. Steady on because the dangerous in my mind is a reason to remind you. It's now 8 o'clock and I'm still on Waterloo Bridge just walking under an archway of willow um, that has been put behind the barriers on the bridge and as you can probably hear the atmosphere is still going strong honestly I mean if there's one thing you can say about Extinction Rebellion it's that a lot of the campaigners have so much energy which is absolutely wonderful um, so many people are actually camping out tonight on Waterloo Bridge I myself am going to go home to the comfort of my own bed but I just hope that something comes from this protest. Extinction Rebellion certainly get a mixed response from both the press and the public. And I myself have mixed views on their protesting methods. I think there are a lot of valid arguments that question whether they are going about things in the right way. I mean, for example, considering that London is an incredibly multicultural city, the protests that I went to weren't particularly diverse and there certainly wasn't a true representation of black and minority ethnic people, let alone women in attendance. But having said that, we are now talking about climate change far more than we were before. And I think that is definitely down to environmental activist groups such as Extinction Rebellion. Talking of protesting, 15-year-old Greta Thunberg is now a household name worldwide. The Swedish activist stopped going to school on Fridays for three weeks a movement known as Fridays for Future, to protest against the lack of action on the climate crisis. Through social media, she encouraged children worldwide to do the same, creating a movement of young activists campaigning for action against climate change. One Friday, I met Year 7 girls, Indy, Mila and Eve, on a bus when they were on their way back from a climate march. So I caught up with them a few weeks later about why they'd been missing school to campaign. So, Eve, Indy and Mila, so, so lovely to meet you guys properly because obviously we met on the bus really, really briefly yeah. uh, when you came back from the last climate change march. Yeah. Obviously, you'd missed school to be there and you've just been at another march today. So, how was it? It was good. Um, 
I think it wasn't as busy as the last one, um, and we went like a different route um, where there were more cars, so you could like say to them to them to, to like turn their engines off and stuff like that. That was really fun. What sort of response did you get when you were saying that to people? Um, some of them like kind of laughed or like just smiled, but like others were like it's it's electric or like something like that. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Eve, tell me a little bit about how you kind of came about getting involved with going on these marches. Um, to be honest, it's quite it's really weird because a lot of parents wouldn't think about it this way, but really social media because it's like so one person just gets it from um you know Greta Thunberg she's like organized everything and she you know one person got it from her and they just gradually share it so you just see it on everyone's story like does anyone want to go to the march and then you just look into it and you get interested and then you want to start you know doing it so I guess you kind of one of you will see it maybe on social media like you said and then you'll go to school and you'll be like right yeah guys I like, feel really yeah. passionately about this and stuff yeah, oh that's amazing and um Indy why do you feel so strongly about climate change I feel like because I feel like not many people like know what it is or like realize how like what an impact it might do um or it is gonna do to us so I feel like I think like just one person going on a march just makes a really big difference and I don't want to like, focus obviously too much on like how old you are but obviously you guys are still at school would you mind telling me how old you all are yeah I'm 11 but my birthday's in July <laughs> 12 in July <laughs> um, I'm 12 yeah same as we're 12 so you're in year eight seven seven okay cool so just started secondary school yeah um why do you think it is so important Eve that young people are at the forefront of this amazing movement because um, it goes two ways. I mean, some people won't listen to young people, but a lot of people will start to think if it's repeat. I mean, it's just repeating, and if young people repeat what they're doing, it just tends to get heard. And I think the fact that young people are doing it shows that we actually care and we do want to look after environment. And you know, just the banners if they say something like Mila said. What did you say? Mine said, um, "You'll die of old age. We'll die of climate change." And my dad was saying that really quite frightened me. Like, he actually thought that it frightened him. And I think having young people say it and showing that they actually care and they've actually looked into what climate change is, it really um, shows that, um, you know, that it is real and that you should change and have an impact. Would you say you guys are frightened of what could happen? Definitely. I, yeah. yeah. I definitely wasn't before. But then, you know, every time you go on this climate march, the more you still say the chance, you actually think, what am I saying? Because it's real, you know, it's not just something that's like, you know, just pretend it's actually a real thing. And you're fighting for, you know, potentially someone's life and the, for the planet. And it's more than just people, it's animals and it's the planet. So it's really important. So what about your school, Indy? Have they been really supportive with you going to the marches? Um, well, some teachers, especially like geography teachers, have been really encouraging about it. Um, but others are like, you know, it's just like a waste of your like education that you come to school to like be educated, you know, come. But then some of them are like, yeah, like go. But then they also carry around like plastic water bottles. And it's just like then why if you want to make a difference then like make a difference like get a water bottle that you can refill like make a difference um do you think Mila that it's significant that obviously as you mentioned the movement is being led by Greta is it Thunberg yeah. or Thunberg I never know how to pronounce it um because obviously she is I mean I don't want to do her a disservice but she is a teenage girl yeah. do you think that's yeah. significant I think 
Well, she's doing something really good. So, like, uh, if because she's doing something good, like, she kind of deserves to miss school. Although she's missing school, she's doing something good for the environment. Um, and I support that. Eve, do you find it sort of more inspiring that it is led by a girl who's a few years older than you? Yeah, because although obviously it's about climate change and we're not focusing on, you know, feminism, but it's it just shows how, you know, everything sort of links together, that climate change can link to another like, problem that we have or a problem that we're sort of solving. And it's sort of historical as well, because there are so many, you know, historical um, women who have, you know, done protests and done really amazing things. So I think it's really sort of great and it's sort of it's showing that we're changing as like a society and a community and that women like have the right to speak up not just about feminism but about other important stuff like climate change. What are you most worried about for the future Indy? I think just like like our future like they don't I don't think they understand that they're ruining our future. Like, someone told me that their grandparents um, said, like, oh, I'm going to die soon, I don't care. Like, it's just like, they need to, like, stop being, like, selfish and look into the young people's, like, point of view and realise that they're ruining our future. And what are you guys, I know it's obviously really difficult, but what are you guys doing on a kind of personal level to stop climate change as much as possible, be as sustainable as possible? Um, I'm, so I carry around, like, a reusable bottle and like so usually if I see plastic on the floor like sometimes well yesterday I saw some (laughs) wrapping in the road so I went I looked and I went into the road and I got it and I put it in the bin and I think like even that would make a big difference um after half term um my friends might do it with me but I know it's just a week but I come from you know not a very vegetarian family and I'm just going to go vegetarian for a week and I think I'll do sort of you know every other week and I'm not saying you know it's not the most amazing thing that you can do but I just think not only does it make a difference you know whether it's a small difference but it makes some difference to the world but it also makes you feel better about yourself and the more you do things that make you feel better about yourself the more you want to do those things so the more I'll feel empowered to do better things for the world and what about you Indy? well um I try being a white white meat pescatarian for a bit and then so my family were also like like we're like okay well we'll try some new things like when we had um spaghetti bolognese we try like corn instead of like meat and and then we realize that we prefer corn so every time we have spaghetti we um we choose corn because like it's better for the environment and it's better for us a lot of people say um you know the uk generally are doing quite a lot to try and combat climate change whereas obviously there are a lot of countries around the world that aren't and are much worse than the uk and so a lot of people say oh there's no point what's the point in buying a reusable water bottle you know what's the point in becoming a vegetarian what would you guys say to people who have that attitude um i think because I think it, they they should think differently because um, even just throwing like that wrapper, for example, on the floor, it could it could potentially do something really bad. Um, and like just doing one little thing, which you think won't do any harm, it honestly will. And Eve, are you guys going to carry on protesting, going to the marches? Definitely. Um, not only you know is it it makes you feel sort of empowered and great. They're fun, and people think that, you know, they're only doing it because it's fun, but we do feel great after we've done it. We all feel really good that we've done it, and, like, great people. 
So definitely, I think for all of us, we're definitely going to keep yeah. on doing it. Well, I personally find what you guys are doing absolutely amazing, really inspiring as well, and I just hope it inspires a whole new load of people to get involved, and hopefully the government will finally yeah. take yeah, action. Yeah. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. To think that Indy, Mila and Eve are going to spend most of their adult lives on a very different planet is a really terrifying thought. Um, so let's definitely support them and every other school child who is missing out on their education to protest against the lack of action on the climate crisis. Now, you heard me asking them what they're each doing on a personal level to try and reverse climate change and plastic pollution. But I realise it is a very overwhelming thing to think about and it can be confusing to research the problem as well and try and cement the facts. Dr Michelle Kane is a science and policy research associate at the University of Oxford and she joins me now. How are you, Michelle? I'm good, thanks. Good, good to hear it. Um, Now, obviously, we're here to talk about climate change. Now, I think the first thing to address is obviously when people say climate change what do they actually mean like what are they talking about exactly simply it's that the temperature of the atmosphere uh, has been rising Uh, and so now we're about one degree higher than we used to be before we started burning fossil fuels what is the biggest cause of climate change what is actually doing this Uh, The number one cause is carbon dioxide being added to the atmosphere from fossil fuels. It really is as simple as that as well. (laughs) Really? Okay, right. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so obviously carbon dioxide comes from not just us humans, but many other things as well. What is it specifically that say humans are doing that is causing climate change? Yeah, you're right. There is carbon dioxide in the atmosphere anyway, and it had kept our temperature at a relatively stable level for many tens of thousands of years. But just recently, since we've been starting to burn fossil fuels since the Industrial Revolution, the amount of CO2, carbon dioxide in the atmosphere has gone up dramatically. And that is what's pushed temperatures up very, very rapidly, completely unprecedented in the history of the world, really. It is being taken up uh, into the oceans and into plants, but not nearly as fast as it's being added to the atmosphere. And what does it actually mean for the planet? Like, what could actually happen? You know, it's all very well us sort of sitting here talking about, you know, rising sea levels and, yeah, obviously the temperature of the Earth increasing. But what could actually happen? When the temperature rises, there's impact for what animals and plants can live happily, not least ourselves. 
So if temperatures are increasing, different plants and animals won't be able to survive as well. You mentioned sea level rise, so that means that all the coastal cities um, will be at risk, especially if they're not um, adequately protected from flooding. It means that not only could we have more droughts, we could actually have more heavy rain, hurricanes. Really, the list goes on and on. You know, you could talk about coral reefs, you could talk about endangered species that are being squeezed out of their habitats. You know, whatever you could think of, it will probably be affected by climate change. So obviously, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people agree that it's an incredibly serious problem that needs drastic action. But how can it directly affect us? You know, for, for say the average person at home that hasn't got a particularly great interest in climate change or an awareness of what is going on, you hear a lot about, you know, like I said, the rising sea levels, etc. But how is that actually going to affect my life on a personal level? Well, there are some ways that uh, it might already have affected you. We've had more heat waves uh, in recent years and they're even hotter than they would be without climate change. And actually heat waves in this country, we might think, oh, it's a nice, you know, we're having a good summer. But actually it leads to a lot of deaths, excess mortality. And actually, you know, the the 2003 heat wave, there was estimated up to 70,000 people dying um, in Europe after that heat wave, which was a completely unprecedented heat wave. Um, do you think it's a fair argument to say that globally climate change is going to affect women more than men? Um, on the whole, I think studies have shown that yes, it does. Um, and partly that's just because women are more susceptible to poverty because globally there are higher numbers of women who are reliant on natural resources, like going to collect water from natural sources and these people who are living in those kind of conditions will actually be affected first and they the more affluent you are the less likely you are to be immediately affected by the earlier stages of climate change. Um, another argument of course is that we should be slowing the population rate and there are groups such as birth strikers who are basically um, groups of women that are refusing to have children to slow climate change. Do you think there's more of a societal pressure on women to fight climate change? That is a tricky one. I'm not sure if there's been research to show that or not but certainly um, anything to do with reproduction seems to fall more heavily on women than men. Although on the population growth the people who have the most children have the lowest footprint on the earth so typically as you become more affluent you have fewer children if you look at global figures um, but you also get a larger and larger carbon footprint so it's actually the richest people who have the fewest children and have the biggest impact on climate change. You know, although I would respect any woman's choice to do whatever they want with regards to having children, it's not as clear as we have to stop having children. I mean, I think that's a completely um, wrong-headed argument. And if we have a zero-carbon society, if we successfully decarbonise the economy, then we can have children because we won't be having large carbon footprints associated with our lifestyles. What do you think of activist organisations such as Extinction Rebellion and their protesting methods? Do you think they're making a positive change? I definitely do think they're making a positive change because in 30 years since the Rio summits, climate scientists have been saying what a problem climate change is. And in fact, even in the 80s, people were saying this. We had science even from the 1970s that was saying that fossil fuels are going to become a problem. And um, it's only been in the last few years 
that the IPCC, so that's the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, published a really seminal report and then suddenly Extinction Rebellion was on the scene and really I think it's only really grabbed the public's attention because of that activism. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, like like you've just said yourself, it's been a real struggle for this issue to sort of come to light and only recently has it been front page news and that is mainly down to organisations such as Extinction Rebellion. Um, do you think if there were more senior female politicians and women, say, had a greater influence over global institutions, would climate change be higher up the agenda? I guess it's hard to say. I suppose things would be a little bit different if that were the case. I mean, back in the 1980s, Margaret Thatcher was actually pretty good on the environment. So she seemed to be very clear and she immediately saw that climate change was an issue. So it would be interesting to think about what history would have been like if politicians who cared about climate change were actually uh, in charge for this whole period. I think you'll agree that obviously it's an incredibly overwhelming issue. And like, you know, there's even a thing now called climate change anxiety where people are so anxious about it. It's actually sort of turned into almost a health condition. But what can we do on a personal level as individuals to help reverse climate change? Yeah, I think that's uh, a really important way of thinking about it, actually, because you know we've got enough to worry about in some ways and we don't want to do ourselves harm but at the same time if if no one does anything we'll be getting the repercussions from that so I would say that it is important to do something but something that's within your own capability like it's clear not everyone can go out and buy solar panels and put them on their house like that just is impossible for everyone to do I think considering what is within your grasp to change is a first step and then decide what you can do and make these small adjustments to your life. But most important, I think, would be to make a noise about it and either tell your elected officials that you have a, a strong view on climate change. If it's really expensive for someone to buy an electric car, then not that many people are going to do it. But if the government puts in policies to make that more accessible for more people, then it'll happen. So it's the policy situation that really needs to change so that people can make those decisions sometimes you have to choose between you know getting your job done your paid employment done which might involve um, getting in a car and driving to work uh, and doing the environmentally better thing so we need those um, policies in place to really encourage people to be able to cycle to avoid doing things that are energy intensive individuals just can't do all of it but the individual's real power is in making sure that the government's actually knows that we want change and then we're not going to let them get away with not changing. I mean yeah it's a really good point that you make actually because I feel incredibly guilty every time I, I get in my car to drive um, to work because I work in the middle of an industrial estate and unfortunately there's just no way of me being able to to cycle or walk to work at all but then at the same time you know in other situations I'll always try and get public transport where I can so like you say I suppose it's about sort of making a choice making those small adjustments and doing what we can I guess. Exactly. And, you know, I sometimes agonise over, do I buy this item that's in plastic or do I buy that item that's probably going to go off quicker and then maybe I'll, that food will be wasted? You know, which one do I choose? It's, it's really difficult. I, I'm glad that you do that as well because I, I stand there in the fruit aisle thinking, oh gosh, this item has come from Egypt and this item's come from, you know, Italy and I'm trying to work out which one, yeah. which one is the better, you know, environmentally of the two to buy. And it's just, oh, you just get completely wrapped up and overwhelmed, don't it, you? It, it's, it is almost impossible to know the right answer all the time, actually. And so food miles are a relatively 
small proportion of the overall footprint for food, actually. But then you have all sorts of different factors, like if you have to grow strawberries in the UK, you might have to heat the tunnels, and that uses energy if it's not uh, green energy. You know, So you might be burning gas to heat the tunnels for strawberries in the UK, or you import them from Spain, where you've got those transport emissions, but you don't have to heat up the tunnels. Like It's just um, it's a very complicated system, and sometimes it's just not possible to know the exact answer for absolutely everything. Yeah, of course. Well, I've got um, strawberries growing outside in my raised beds using (laughs) using no heat at the moment. So I'm hoping that's definitely the best option instead of buying them in a supermarket when they've come from Spain or somewhere. So, oh, God knows. I hope I'm doing (laughs) the right thing. I don't know. But anyway, thank you so much for chatting to me, Michelle. And um, yes, we'll have to make those small adjustments and continue making noise as well. Lovely to speak to you. It is certainly reassuring to hear Dr. Michelle Kane say that she feels overwhelmed visiting a supermarket and not knowing what to do for the best either. And she's a climate scientist. So, I mean, I'm definitely going to try and not get bogged down with the small details. And instead, like she said, make sure I'm talking about it more and contact and contacting my local MP. Also, just to say, I do realise that Egypt is much further away from the UK than Italy. Just wanted to point that out. Now, climate change is undeniably the largest crisis the planet has ever faced. And if you think about it in that way, it does become hugely worrying and overwhelming. We obviously need to understand the severity of the problem and how much effort is going to be to attempt to reverse climate change. But like Michelle said, that must primarily come at an institutional level because there's nothing that you and I can do on a personal level that's going to really make a drastic impact. Having said that, I mean, Greta Thunberg started out by protesting and posting on Instagram and think of the changes she's made in the world already. But I suppose that the more we talk about it, the more noise we make, and that can only be a good thing. I do think that making personal changes, however small, will definitely encourage and inspire others to follow suit. This will hopefully help to raise awareness, which in turn will put more pressure on those in power across the world to make the necessary changes that will prevent a global climate change catastrophe. As Dr. Michelle said as well, this issue is going to have a greater impact on women than men. But with young women such as Greta Thunberg at the forefront of this campaign and girls as well like Mila, Indy and Eve getting involved too, it is so reassuring to see that this movement is women-led. But we just need to make sure that because it's going to affect women from all backgrounds, we find a way of making it as intersectional and as inclusive as possible. Thank you so much to my guests, Sophia, who I spoke to at the Extinction Rebellion protest, Indy, Mila and Eve, and Dr. Michelle Kane for being on the podcast. And thank you as well to you for listening. If you want to get in touch with me and chat about anything I have discussed, you can do by emailing thefemalestruggle at gmail.com or messaging me on Instagram at mjorealdavis, E-M-J-O-R-E-A-L-D-A-V-I-E-S. As always, if you like the podcast, I would so appreciate it if you could review it on your podcast app, share it on social media or even mention it to a friend. Thank you so much once again for listening and I'll see you next time on The Female Struggle Is Real.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 